0: Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do about anything and everything property. So if people have been listening along to the previous uh, few episodes, they probably realise that we've got quite different uh, property investment strategies. Yeah. Mine uh, is very much focused around single lets, traditional buy-to-let, and... With my hope of it being a relatively passive income, mm. I, I do self-manage, so it's not it's not totally passive. Um, whereas yours is uh, almost entirely HMO-based, and um, from my point of view, I've always I've always been tempted by the returns of HMO um, or the potential paper returns of HMOs. <laughs> um, yeah. But I've always shied away from it because of the, the extra hassle that's involved and the extra um, sort of dealing with with multiple people living under the same roof and, and their their inevitable interactions and falling outs and and things. Uh, what, what what attracted you to to HMO? What convinced you that HMO was worth it?
1: Well, the same thing that. Attracts everyone, I think, is cash flow mm-hmm. is because the the gross revenue is higher uh, per room. Just one question I've got for you though. So we're talking about um, now, as you and I both know, you know, there's, and I, I know there's a few of us knocking around that have these little pet hates around sort of passive income because I haven't seen anyone get true passive. I mean, I know you can do a lot less work, and there's a sort of curve where when you when you in my Experience when you when you purchase a property and when you're developing a property, you know your engagement levels are high. And yes, you know on a single let, actually that reduces to very low um, engagement requirement, so it's, it's close to passive income. But I haven't yet seen anything where we can just sort of like you know, throw the keys in a drawer, walk off, and forget. No. You know,
0: I, I mean, even when you've got an agent looking after it for yeah. you, the, you still get the occasional phone call or. Repair request. or yeah. yeah.
1: So that was my question to you was, so for your properties, you you have an agent that looks after them. Uh, so for properties that I can get to relatively
0: quickly, travel-wise, um, I self-manage completely. There's no, okay. no agent. Um, I've got a couple of properties that are a bit further away, and I, I, I cheat a little, so I don't look after them myself, but my agent is, um, is, is my parents. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who also landlords themselves so, yeah. so they, uh, they look after my, my couple of properties that are closer to them than they are to me <laughs>
1: who, who does the tenant find? I,
0: I've, I've done all sorts of different options for tenant find
1: I've used
0: local agents uh, in various different areas including here for one, of my, for one occasion for my property that's in Red Hill um, but most recently, I've used uh, OpenRent. Uh, so the, I put together the marketing. I got professional photos taken of the, the property um, and listed it through OpenRent. And then I dealt with the, the inquiries directly, did the viewings. Um, the, uh, on, on this, well, Actually, a, a couple of times, but on one occasion, the, the first one I've done it, uh, the property was actually empty at the time. So I, uh, I set up a mini office in, in the property. I, uh, I purchased myself an inflatable chair and, uh, and a 4G, <laughs> um, uh, 4G router and, uh, and set myself up as a mini office in, in, the, in the house so I could uh, just sit there and, and do ad hoc viewings during the day when, yeah. when they were needed. Um, so that worked quite well on that occasion. But, um, uh, but yeah, so I, I think uh, when the remote... Um, tenant find for an agent works well. Um, and indeed, my, my parents choose to do that, even though they could visit and do viewings themselves. They prefer not to, so they, they use agents for tenant finding. Mm. Um, but uh, but locally now, I would use a, a cheaper listing service. Um, uh, actually, in, in that space, have you heard that UPAD has, uh, has recently... Yeah, so I was going to, to touch on
1: that. Yeah. Mm. So you, yours fixed fees... So, would you pay a fixed fee for a tenant find? Yes. Okay. Because yes. that was UPAD's issue, wasn't it? They didn't take fees up front. I don't know. Um, so, I think UPAD
0: was... Uh, it had a lot of debt, didn't it? But I think it was running as a reasonable business. Uh, I read that the, uh, one of the main founders behind it had decided to prioritise uh, family and, and life over, over work. Mm. Uh, said they were, were working silly hours and, and not really seeing their family. And I think they had a health scare last year, mm. um, and, and all those things combined meant they wanted to, to rethink their business life. yeah um, So, very understandable. Yeah, you can understand and, uh, it. Yeah. yeah it's, in, in, it's a big business to um, to wind up.
1: Yeah, especially when it's been around, it's been around for since 2007, was it or something? Yeah, about 10 years, I think you read. Yeah. So, yeah so yeah the reason I asked that so essentially from my perspective I use agents um, because well you know 75% plus of my rooms are rented by students so I use a very specific agent in the area that's niched in that area obviously and they they do the management and they'll do most of the management and I you know my view is that you know I'll probably get as many I'll probably get as as many or as few calls as you do, mm-hmm. primarily because you know, you've got the, um, the agent triaging those issues. Yep. I do have a young professional property, and the things that you've talked about, um, you know, the interaction or engagement of the tenants can be a challenge. But again, I think it's working with an agent and making sure that you're getting the right tenant profile. I mean, for us, for the, for the young professional let because we'd refurbished the property, it was a five-bed property. It's now a, it's still a five-bed, but now it's four four ensuite bedrooms and then a private bathroom for the fifth bed. You know, we raised the level quite to quite a high level. Uh, I still like to be higher, but quite a high level, and therefore the tenant profile was was much. Better in terms of, you know, the, the, the room rates that they could afford and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so you're definitely that naturally that. selected the profile, if that makes sense, without yeah, wanting exactly, to be yeah. sort of discriminatory. That's just how it happened. Yeah. So do you find you don't get hassled so much from them?
0: In fact, there's an interesting point. You, obviously, your agents are uh, acting as a buffer for most of these things. Yeah. Do you get reports from the agents? Do you know how often they're getting caught up by these various tenants and...
1: Only if it's, a, if it's a major issue, which unfortunately, you know, for example, last weekend we had, you know, one of the showers having sewage come through the shower tray. And, you know, when that happens on a Saturday, you, you, you tend to find out about it <laughs> because yep. people are making calls and want to sort it out. And from my perspective, my first and only thought is how, how can we sort this out as quickly as possible so that the tenant doesn't have to endure it? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I personally rent myself, so I know what it's like to be a tenant and how... Not, well, helpless probably isn't the right word, but sometimes you feel a little bit helpless because you're in the hands of others um, because they have to sort of, you know, so it's both a, it's a plus and a minus because yeah. you can you can hand the problems over, but then you have to just wait for those problems to be resolved for you. Yeah. Uh, so, but I will hear about those and, um, you know, it took Saturday and Sunday to resolve. But generally speaking, I won't hear about them. So for me, what's quite different is I will... You know so we'll just set up a we call it it sounds quite grand but like a a, a triage process mm-hmm. so for example, anything under two hundred pounds for example, or one hundred and fifty pounds yep. i've just said as long as it sits within certain parameters i e it's not a tenant's damage cause it's not because tenants caused their damage or it's been an accident you know whatever other reasons there might be if if it's a if what we feel is a bona fide maintenance cost, then they just have the the, the right to to do that as a, as a managing agent. I think that's very sensible. Mm. Um, so yeah, it reduces the the number of things that come through to your plate. As always. Simon, yeah, as you know, like these things are double-edged swords because, you know, and this is highly pertinent to me because I've got my statement through today from the agent. <laughs> this is going to be exactly where I was going to go. Asking and, you, yeah. and, you know, I, I couldn't even tell ta- I mean, but, you know, the costs are circa 3,000. You know, that doesn't include fees. So maintenance costs. But don't forget, we're talking about 37 rooms. Okay, so... So uh, you're talking... I can't divide that. So it's, what, about £100 a room.
0: Okay. It's Less uh, than £100
1: a room, because £100 a room would be £3,700. Uh, it's but it's that, around that. That's for one month? That's for one... Well, it, it does yeah. include other months, actually. Okay. It does include other months. So it's probably about three months, because it's students sometimes. Where are we and now? And this is, this is the students moving in as well, so this is
0: peak time for them spotting yeah. stuff? So we'll we? have
1: things like deep clean. So every house will have a deep clean. Yeah. That's 250 quid. Yeah, yeah across a number of houses so I mean I do have a small weep when the statements come in so I imagine especially at this time of year just after September (laughs) oh it's it's hard you know so the battles I face because really hard when you've got over you know a few grand's worth of expenses coming through you know I can go through this list and there'll be a 20 pounds here and a 30 pound lock there and a yeah you know i'll have a 50 pound chair here and but you know i will have to go through that and you know i I employ someone as an operations director and just say you know we need to go through and make sure these are bona fide costs you know because unsurprisingly when you're talking about students let's just say that sometimes they have some fun in the property (laughs) um typically on a friday or saturday night and things get broken now i won't I don't want to be liable for those costs. Mm -hmm. Like um, Just one today that I've had, and this this will make me laugh, so one today was a a guy got sent out to fix a freezer Mm -hmm. in the property. He said he's done X or Y to fix property, but did notice five stab wounds in the freezer compartment. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, in the freezer compartment, not in people. (laughs) So clearly... What it sounds to me like, without having seen it, is that someone's probably trying to defrost the freezer with a very sharp knife. That's a much better explanation than what sprang to mind for me. <laughs>
0: <That's good. laughs> my, my wife and I have been uh, catching up on a uh, very old series of, of bones. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, obviously all about solving
1: murders and crimes. So uh, yeah. I, think, I think my head went to the wrong place. <laughs> I, I think no crime was committed except against my freezer. That's, um, but then I've got an invoice for a call-out fee and a repair job, and then a quote for providing a new fridge-freezer, which is £300. So my immediate riposte is, guys, should this really be coming to me? It looks like someone's taking a knife out to my Mm -hmm. fridge-freezer. You know, my my limit only goes so far, and I'm sure every landlord thinks it, but I do like to think I I go one step above normal for, for tenants because, again, I know what it's like to be a tenant and I want them to feel looked after. However, willful damage is not something I'm willing to, to yeah. fund.
0: So perhaps rather than funding 300 quid's worth of new, new freezer every term, what you instead need to do is, uh, is fund, I don't know, 20, 30 quid's worth
1: of how to defrost a freezer training at the beginning of each year. <laughs> well, and there's that. And uh, I, I know we've gone on a bit of a digression here. So the other bill I got, this is because it's £360 to clear rubbish from the back of a house, which happened... This time last year. <laughs> and so again, those costs are coming through to me and they're the sort of things. So
0: as you say it happened this time last year, as in that was when the the you got that that, that incident happened last year and you got the bill last year.
1: Or yeah. it happened last year and you've just got the bill for it now? Both. So it happened last year okay. and I got a bill for it. And then we went back and said, All Right, you need to let the tenants know that it's their responsibility. To remove the rubbish or make sure the rubbish is placed in the right areas so don't let this happen again now I don't know if they're the same tenants or different tenants but you know I have communicated with the letting agent that clearly I won't be covering those costs anymore but then today I'll get a cost for exactly the same thing which happened only six months ago Um, so you know all of these things and again you know I'm now arguing for your side because I think well on a single (laughs) let side you very rarely get these kind of things coming through
0: yeah, although uh, I do have some single-let horror stories. <laughs> yeah. I have had, um, I've had some interesting tenants in the past, including, um, well, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail um, about the, the history of this one at this moment, um, not least because we need to finish this recording. Soon. But um, suffice to say that the greenhouse in the back garden was stuffed full of rubbish, including sort of quilts and... and Um, black sacks and just stuff. Um, But down at the bottom of the back garden what looked like uh, a mound of earth was actually old cat litter and um, next to it was a a big pile of black sacks. There there was a cage. They put a cage in the garden and they were just filling it up with black sacks of rubbish. And I mean, I have, I have no idea why. I, I want to you're, what, you're a going a puzzles, puzzles. <laughs> I have no idea. But I'm just saying it's not only HMOs that do, do yeah. crazy things sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just um,
1: just people sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But as, as you, you said, and that's the thing, is that when you're dealing with more people, you're, the chances of that happening increases. Yeah.
0: and I think with HMOs particularly, I mean, perhaps I'm thinking back to my student days a bit too much here, but um, when you've got five people in a house and one bin that needs emptying often nobody really wants to take responsibility for that yeah. <laughs> um, and hence it, nobody does it um, mm. so I, I think that's an extra issue with HMOs. So you've got that multiple people dynamic yeah. Um, and maybe you install five bins so you've got one each <laughs> might solve that problem
1: yeah yeah. well I think I thought we did I thought we did I thought we did solve that problem but anyway that's, uh, that's another very rather dull conversation for, for me to have so, um, have we reached
0: a conclusion? Which is better, HMO or single let?
1: Well, I think you know. We, we, I think we've talked about more around the uh, the negative aspects of, <laughs> of HMOs. Obviously, <laughs> the positive one is is the cash flow, and you know, on a monthly basis, you know, for me, you know, again, depending on area, if you've got a three bed house or a two bed house. That is a four bed hMO could be a four bed hMO the returns are very different, yeah, so i mean i 'm just going to pull some figures from my head for uh, things
0: i 've seen in the past, so for a uh, a single let you might be looking in this area um, a, for a yield of five, maybe six percent if you 're lucky, um, and then a return on investment probably similar, perhaps slightly lower, um, but for an hmo uh, I'm not so sure about this area, actually, but typically um in Crawley, for example, so it's a bit further south, you might be looking at a, a yield of near 15%. Um, and then, obviously, return on investment being lower than that, because you've got more expenses as well. Mm. But um, obviously, that's that's a big difference from, from single there. So, so yes, yeah. You're right, there's, uh, there's definitely more cash flow in the HMAs.
1: Yeah, and typically, well, no, not typically. But, I mean, for me, you know, we're buying bigger houses. I think, I think, um, yeah, the, it depends on the, the property type. You know, most of the properties I go for are, um, you know, period properties, Victorian, mm. looked at Georgian, you know, that sort of thing. And they're nice properties. So, generally, we'll be looking at multiple exits. So, it's not, you know, for me, I yeah. don't just look at, a house as an HMO I think okay if things don't work out I could turn it into three flats or I could convert it into a really nice residential property
0: yeah just good to have, have backup plans yeah
1: um,
0: Right on that note of backup plans I think we'll, uh, we'll finish for today we'll awesome to cool so um, more details on Stuart and myself uh, along with notes on what we've been talking about today can be found at thebusinessofproperty.com